Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Breaking John. Preface. I'd had more than my fair share of near-death experiences. It wasn't something you ever really got used to. It seemed oddly inevitable, though, facing death again, like I really was marked for disaster. I'd escaped time and time again, but it kept coming back for me. I'm Julia Argy. And I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And this is Hot and Bothered Twilight and Quarantine. Okay, so Julia, we are going to do all of Breaking Dawn today. All, I think it's 8,212 pages of Breaking Dawn. Do you regret that we didn't break it up chapter by chapter now that you've read the whole thing? Are you like, damn it, I wish that we'd really look closely at this. I can't say I feel that way, but if we had done it, there is a lot of stuff here. Like we could have done it if that is where our paths took us. Do you regret not doing it? I super don't regret it. I hated this book and I have a new theory, which is that I think I would have positive associations with this series if it ended after book two. And maybe I'm just retroactively like placing positive memories on the past because I've like suffered so much, you know, like when you watch a really long, boring movie and you're like, oh my God, this is horrible. This is horrible. This is horrible. And then you walk out of the movie and you're like, do you know what? That was really interesting. And like part of what you're feeling is the relief of it being over. But like also retroactively, like the three interesting things sort of rise to the top and you forget the like pain. Mm -hmm. So like I could be doing that with books one and two, but I am currently convinced that if it had ended after they get reunited after the Volturi thing, I'd have been like, those were fun. Those were dumb, but fun. Yeah, I think reading this made me really miss Twilight. Twilight, the original. OG Twilight. Yeah. And then I have one other question for you. Can we go to like Julia MFA Corner? Oh, God. Sure, I guess. So like these books are like a fantasy romance novel. What is the fantasy? Is it that like you'll have a million near-death experiences, but you'll always escape them? Is the fantasy that like You don't want to get married or have a baby. And then it turns out the whole time you did. Like, why are these books so popular? I'm really not sure my NFA program has told me why Twilight is so popular yet. Maybe that's coming up in the last few months of the curriculum. But 
spoiler, basically at the end of the story, it's very happily ever after for eternity. And Bella is better than ever before. She's superhuman and she has a hot husband and a cute kid and she's really happy. So I think that's probably what it's hitting. The path to get there was winding, but the end seems like what some people want. Right. So like other romance novels, you don't become supermodel hot and super, super rich and like immortal. Yeah. And that's the difference between the HEA of these books and like the more traditional romance novels that I like to read. Yeah. Happily forever after. Right. (laughs) It's not till death do us part, as they say in the books. It's for as long as we both shall live, which is forever. Yeah. Poetic. Poetic indeed. Vanessa, since we have a whole book, you will get a full minute to recap. I honestly think it could be 800 pages long. So... You're going to have to glaze over a lot, but I'm excited to hear what you do with it. (laughs) Me too. I have no idea. I'm on the edge of my seat. (laughs) Okay. Three, two, one, go. So Bella and Edward are officially engaged. They decide to get married. They tell Charlie. Charlie's like, uh, Renee is actually happy for them. They have the wedding. Jacob comes to the wedding and says, don't turn into a vampire. They go on their honeymoon. She, they have regular sex and then they, like not vampire, vampire sex, just like vampire human sex. And she gets pregnant with a vampire baby. And it's like happening really fast and it's really dangerous and she's in a lot of pain and it like breaks her hips and her pelvic bone and it's horrible. They go, that that all happens when they go home and then she starts to feel better when she starts drinking vampire blood. She loves the, not vampire blood, human blood. And she um, loves the baby even though it's killing her. And then the, the baby's born and she's weird and Jacob imprints and the Volturi are like, oh, there's a baby. We have to come and kill it. And so they put together like a superhero team of vampires from all over the world and there's this big confrontation with the Volturi and the Carlisle coven people win and the Volturi go away and they all live happily ever after and Renesme and Jacob are going to be together. That was pretty good. Thanks. I misspoke a few times. Vampire blood? What am I? A newbie? Vampires don't have blood, Vanessa. They only have venom. Duh. Okay. Julia, you are going to do just as well. I'm legitimately stressed. You can do it. Okay. I'll try. I believe in you like Jacob believes in Renesme. Gross. A creepy amount. <laughs> okay. On your mark. Get set. Go. So they have a wedding. Um, Jacob gets mad because he finds out that they're going to have sex on the honeymoon. And he gets so mad about that. Um, they Yeah, the honeymoon happens. It's a nice island off the coast of Brazil. They have sex. There are feathers everywhere. Um, she gets pregnant. She gets morning sickness like two days later. They go home. Rosalie's like and like anti-killing the baby. Everyone's going to save the baby. The whole book turns to Jacob's perspective for approximately 400 pages for no reason. Um, he starts his own. He starts his own club. He's the alpha now. <laughs> um, Leah joins. Seth joins. Um, and then he and then the, he sees the birth scene um, and then the baby he imprints. Um, the baby grows super fast. It like grows two inches a day. It can speak really early and can walk. It has a special tower power where it pokes you and you can read its mind. And then the whole like anti-fight happens. Oh, Bella has like a shield she can like project from her brain over everyone and she saves the day. Um, she gets a fake passport and that's it. Whew. So much happens, everyone. And yet so little, because I think we covered just about everything in those recaps. Okay, 
Breaking news. We broke this up because there's so much breaking news in a whole book. We broke this up into several different types of news. So first, we're going to go over to you, Julia, in weather. Well, in this book, it's interesting because the whole plot revolves around the weather. The reason the Volturi are mad about the vampire baby is because there are things called immortal children where you change like a baby toddler into a vampire and it gets extra cute and it kills straight up everyone. And that's illegal now, probably rightly. So they think that Bernesme is one of those. And they're going to come when the snow sticks to the ground. And like throughout the time leading up to that where Bella's training her mind shield, it's like, is the snow going to stick? Is, is it, is it going to stick yet? Is it sticking? Maybe. Yeah. So mission critical weather. Yeah. I'm so happy for Bella that she has like been paying such close attention to the weather this whole time because I feel like she will look at the snow and be like, that's not going to stick. And like she can really manage her emotions because she's so in tune with the weather. What about you? Do you have a weather update? Oh, yeah. So my weather update is not just a weather update. It is also like callback to Bella in STEM because it's also a lesson in relativity because Edward is no longer cold because Bella is cold. Mind blown. I know, but she doesn't seem to have problems carrying around her room temperature baby. And the baby doesn't seem upset about having to like fall asleep in cold people's arms. Oh, yeah. It's not a consistent thing. Like, she doesn't think that that guy, Jay, notices how cold she is when she touches Jacob. It's not like she burns. I don't know. It's, like, not consistent. But Edward is no longer cold to her. Yeah. That was really helpful for the sex. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. They have a lot of sex in the second half of the book. We don't see it, but we hear about it. Yeah. Can we talk briefly before we move on from the weather desk about how disappointing the first sex scene is? Like, I didn't know it had happened until paragraphs after it happened. It's like they they walk into the water and then next thing they're talking in bed and then there's like goose feathers in her hair. And I'm like, what? And then it becomes clear that they had sex last night. This is a romance novel. Like, where's the sexy, sexy parts? Well, it's like for teens. So like it was never really going to happen. Sure. Which I'm grateful for. But like there should have been like something like and then he laid me down and we became one. (laughs) Some like religious metaphor. Like I literally didn't even know the sex was happening. Yeah. I can understand why, because I think she just walks into the ocean. I'm not even sure they kiss in the ocean. It's like. It's not a fade to black. It's like a cut to black, like probably 30 seconds before it needs to. Right. I'm just like, hint at it. Bring me along, Stephanie. Hold my hand. Walk me through this. We have 8,000 pages. Take an extra sentence. Julia, were you like, haha, vindicated? Because you said that Bella and Edward should have sex for the first time in warm water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, sous vide sex like they're just getting to the right temperature (laughs) there's a lot of circulating water around them to get them there and it can last indefinitely the ocean's that warm (laughs) can you just explain what sous vide is to those like i only know because 
I watched Claire Saffitz do it once. <laughs> oh my God. It's so gross in terms of sex as an idea. Okay, stupid is when you put a vacuum sealed plastic bag of something into warm water that you keep at the same temperature using a little like motor powered thing and it cooks really tender. So Bella is the plastic bag that you put into the boiling pot. It's like how super fancy restaurants will like cook fish to like make sure it gets cooked evenly. You're saying that Edward's penis is like a piece of salmon that needs to be cooked evenly Mm -hmm. in order to not just be ice cold when it goes inside Bella. Yep, that's exactly what I'm saying. Got it. Great. I just wanted to make sure that we were on the same page. Now we're going to move over to the fashion desk. Julia, what have you got from the red carpet? I have another note about the honeymoon, which is... Alice doesn't let Bella pick her clothes because it would spoil what kind of destination they're going to for the honeymoon. And then Alice only packs Bella lingerie. It's like she has no comfortable clothes. And this is only like further mystifying because we hear the whole honeymoon once Edward says they can't have sex anymore because she got bruises from the sex. (laughs) So troubling. Um, After they stop having sex after the first time on the honeymoon, She has to go snorkeling all day and she's like climbing mountains and stuff. Like she has no appropriate clothes but lingerie for the trip. She has to wear Edwards. She's a bathing suit. Yeah. That's it though. I mean, what is a bathing suit except like waterproof lingerie? But like she does have a bathing suit. Snorkeling is doable. Admittedly, there's some clothes, but it's mostly just like different kinds of sexy getups for Bella to wear. Right. It's definitely nothing you'd want to go hiking in. Certainly not. Even on a private island. My fashion desk is that Alice committed to fashion always. One, we find out that she never lets any of the Collins wear the same thing twice. I'm going to just leave that there for now. No extra commentary because I have more to say on that later. But this includes Alice dressing Bella While Bella is busy transforming from human to vampire, we find out that she is put in like a silk tight like cocktail dress and high heels while she's in like the worst pain of her life. That is what Alice chooses to do to her body, which I found very weird. But as I was thinking about it, I think it's like a great anti-assault moment. Like often what we worry about with like a passed out woman is that like we're going to take off their clothes and Alice is like, no, I'm going to put clothes on you, right? She's just given birth. She's probably naked. She was like covered in blood. There was like blood everywhere. Right. Covered in blood. She'd been like eaten from the inside. Like great. Clean her up a little bit. Like give her a sponge bath and put her in some clothes Very interesting choice, Alice, that you decided to straight up put her in a cocktail dress and heels. Yeah. And before she's able to do anything, Alice makes her look in a mirror. She's like, look, you're hot now. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Now we have the historical context desk that we're going to go over to. So we're moving from like your local news to some 60 minutes. Yeah, I feel like the main thing we learn in terms of context here is like, You and I already knew this because we're geniuses, but how corrupt the Volturi is, we find out that they've been systematically murdering vampires so that Aro can take the most powerful one into his little 
coven and that they have someone there who has a special power who can like entice them to stay against their will. And that's what they're planning on doing to the Cullens is Aro says it explicitly at one point. He's like all the special ones. Kate, Zafrina, Edward, Bella, you're welcome to stay. The rest of you dead. Well, not only do they have someone who like makes them stay, they also have someone who like puts them in a twilight where they like can't do anything while the Volturi is quote unquote voting. Like this is a rigged system. Like the vote is fake. It's completely corrupt. Yeah. Yeah. So my like big aha moment is that the books are like racist, but in a very true to life way. Like Bella's racist. We know that people tend to be more forgiving of people who look like them, to like not assume that someone with the same skin color as you is a criminal, to not have as good of facial recognition across like racial lines. And Bella thinks that, quote, all the Egyptians look alike. We're told that the werewolves aren't werewolves by white people. Like, white people come in and are like, just kidding, werewolves. You're using the wrong terminology for what you identify as. And then we get, like, an actually, werewolves are this other thing that have to do with the moon, and you all are more accurately called shapeshifters. It's like, dude, these people can be whatever they want to be. They use the word werewolf. White people don't come in with your anthropology and, like, tell a local tribe what they are. Gross. But accurate is to what actually happens in the world, right? This is like Margaret Mead all over again. I was like very impressed. And then the last one that I'll mention is that Carlisle steals genetic information from Jacob while Jacob is like in pain from his accident in the last book. We find that out in this book. And again, like that is completely accurate. White doctors have a history of stealing genetic information from people of color while they're in pain. Everybody read about Henrietta Lacks. So I just found that the racism was very well researched. Yeah, there's also a moment when she goes to start looking for um, her passport, her forged documents, where she goes to, quote unquote, the ghetto and like Mm -hmm. sees a black person in a nice outfit. And she was like, that is that is so interesting. I've never witnessed that before. Right. Which is absolutely something that a white woman with access to a Ferrari would say. (laughs) I don't know. I, I don't think Stephanie Meyer did it on purpose, but if she did... Excellent job. And now, Julia, we're going to put it over to you at the Conspiracy Theory Desk. I love your tinfoil hat, by the way. You look amazing. Thank you. I think I should start off with my conspiracy theory about what the people want to know. And what the people want to know is how Edward, with his current situation... (laughs) (laughs) no blood, questionable what's working, what's not, how Edward possibly fathered a child. So you're wondering how you one gets an erection without blood. Yeah, and like what's up with the sperm? But worry not everyone, I have answers from my deep dive into the text. So I will pose a theory that Edward has maybe never had an orgasm before and has definitely not had an orgasm since he turned into a vampire. This is a quote from when he's telling Bella about his sexual history. He said, I asked Carlisle what I should expect. I didn't know what it would be for me with my being a vampire. He smiled half-heartedly. Carlisle told me it was a very powerful thing like nothing else. So it seems like he's trapped his ancient sperm 
since turning, he's never had an orgasm. It's just like still in there. Um, And that's why he's able to conceive a child is it's it's just been um, lingering there for quite a few decades. You're welcome. And that makes it more potent, like a fine wine. (laughs) I think it's partially that, but also it's just like he's ready. Yeah, yeah. It's like not gone anywhere. It hasn't turned into like venom. Oh, it's his human sperm still. Exactly. He hasn't like recharged. But then why does Renesme come out half vampire? It's like a little change. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, thank you so much, Julia, because I am literally picturing Edward's sperm in his ball sack right now. Speaking out. So thank you. Yeah, maybe it's just changed a little. Just enough. Keep it spicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's immortal sperm. <laughs> it's been changed just to be immortal. Got it, got it, got it. Well, thank you so much, Julia, for solving that mystery. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Did you have a conspiracy theory? I do. So both of my conspiracy theories are about Alice. One is that she is actually rich and so obsessed with everybody wearing new clothes all the time because she owns a fast fashion empire. She like just wants everyone in disposable clothes. She wants them to wear it once. Like they're quote unquote not expensive, but then you like stop wearing them. And I think that that feeds into my wider Alice theory, which is that she can't see the future. It's not that she's betting on stocks. It's that she's getting rich on fast fashion. And she knows that, like, saying I own a sweatshop and that's how I'm rich doesn't look great. So she's like, oh, I can see the future. I bet on stocks. No, you don't, Alice. You have factories. Yeah, I can picture that. I just don't even know, like, what she even does with all of the clothes. Like, she must be like, then these are her sample pieces and she's, like, selling the rest of the garments on a storefront. Yeah. I mean, also with the disposable clothes, what a lot of companies do is then sell the, like, rag material as, like, stuffing for couches and stuff. So it's beneficial to them twice financially. Alice is, like, a part of a huge fashion slave empire racket global conspiracy we're no longer in forks folks so the last update that we're going to do is on the status of jacob black he's gone from really nice in book two to really bad at end of book three how did you find him in book four i mean you know more of the same a couple pieces of evidence of his like continued awfulness, I would say, is his, like, constant blonde jokes. He, like, has this bit with Rosalie. They don't like each other, and they're always telling each other that they stink. And so he makes blonde jokes about her all the time. That's just, like, not great. And then the other, like, really minor one is that there's a moment where he's, like, stuck naked somewhere, and there's a sundress that he can put on, and he says that he would rather be naked than wear a sundress. And I just like would like to inform him that we don't wear clothes for ourselves. We wear clothes so that other people don't have to look at our naked bodies, Jacob. And gender essentialism is not enough of a reason to like go around streaking. He's also horrible to Leah. Like until he turns medium awful to Leah, he's horrible to her. So those are the ones before the big one. Do you want to talk about the big one? The big awful? Obviously, in this book, we knew it was coming that Jacob imprints on Renesmee the baby. It's pretty unsavory, to say the least. It starts when 
we're back in Bella's perspective and he's really mean to Bella about seeing her own baby for the first time. So that's kind of where it starts. He's trying to protect Renesmee because he's imprinted on her and he's worried that Bella will like eat her own baby. Yeah. And he's really, I would say, a jerk about it. Yeah. And Bella has no idea what's going on. She's like, why do you care? Why are you still here? And he's like, don't touch your baby. And then he nicknames her daughter after the Loch Ness Monster. Okay, it's the same nickname that my best friend calls me. So I think it's a great nickname. That is the thing that bothers me least about Jacob's imprinting. Oh, yeah. I don't actually have a personal problem with that. But that is a big contentious point in the book. I think they have a fist fight. Bella and Jacob finally get into it. And it's because of the nicknaming. Yes. Partially. It's also because of the imprinting, but the, the nickname precipitates the fight. So we find out more about what like adult baby imprinting looks like in the book first, because we have this scene between baby Claire and Quill, who we know from a previous book is a shapeshifter slash werewolf who imprinted on a baby. Thoughts about that scene? I experienced it as like one of the most troubling scenes in the book partially because I was listening to it and it's in Jacob's perspective so it was a man doing a girl baby voice and then the girl baby voice was speaking back to the adult man and I was like this is honestly the worst most troubling scene I've ever read it was really chilling they're playing on a beach and he's effectively babysitting her and Quill's like, I will never date someone or have sex with someone until Claire is of age. Yeah. And you just really don't get a sense of the mutuality of imprinting, right? Like, you know that Quill's obsessed with Claire, but you are given no evidence that Claire feels a natural attachment to Quill, which gives the whole thing this real grooming feel to it, right? In theory, the thing that makes imprinting okay is that there's such a powerful mutual understanding of love that the default is consent. That like the usually woman, right, the woman who's imprinted upon feels as strong of a connection. But when you're starting with a child and you are not giving her any other (laughs) options, right, like this seems like something different. Yeah, I mean, baby imprinting... I'm sure I'm going to shock everyone by saying it, is morally bankrupt. Personally, I believe. So like the Jacob Renesmee imprinting, I was like, this is really creepy, but it wasn't pedophilic, right? Like he's not attracted to her. He is like super protective of her. And I was like, this is gross, but it wasn't as gross as I was scared it was going to be. Like those chapters that we're reading in Jacob's head and like knowing that the imprinting was happening, I was getting really nervous that it was like in Jacob's head going to tell me how beautiful he thought Renesmee was and like start sexualizing a baby. And because it didn't do that, I think I felt a real sense of relief. But then he gives her a promise ring for Christmas when she's like two months old. And that is when I was like, no, it's fully fucked up. Yeah. The promise ring is also really troubling to me. And there's this like twilight, like bunny, bunny hole moment where the book came out the other side where Bella is trying to make the fake passports for Jacob and Renesmee in hopes that they'll be able to escape the Volturi attack. 
And she is like looking at the passport photos and she goes, oh, this will be great. It will look like Jacob is her stepdad. Horrible. Yeah. It is hinted at through the stories of like Emily and Rachel that imprinting is mutual. But I would just say that we like do not get enough evidence of that. Like maybe Emily had a crush on Sam before and like loved her cousin Leah, but you know, was a little bit jealous. Like, we do not know from the women's point of view that it is as strong of a feeling. And therefore, it wasn't quite as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it was almost as bad as I was scared it was going to be. In terms of not being able to see from Jacob's perspective, it switches the moment he imprints. It goes back to Bella. Right. Literally, he looks in the baby's eyes and it's out of his perspective. So there's this, like, way that the text purposefully elides what it's actually like to imprint on a baby, which is what you're saying about not getting the women's perspective. It's like the second it happens, it's like too messed up. And like, if you want people to read the book, can't go there or something. I don't know. But like, it's I feel like it's pretty purposeful the way that it switches then. Totally, totally. And just because like you, I was listening. And so I didn't have that like visual sense that Jacob's point of view was ending. I was so scared that the next chapter was going to be like, oh my God, I've never seen anything more beautiful in my whole life. And that also would have been the chapter title, by the way. But like, it just wasn't. I'm not saying that it made imprinting less gross. I'm just saying that I was so scared. (laughs) Speaking of the chapter titles, those were my moments of genuine enjoyment when we're in Jacob's perspective. I think they're hilarious. Like they were so funny as a concept. They're often like full sentences. I pulled a few of my favorites. (laughs) Why didn't I just walk away? Oh, right. Because I'm an idiot. I was like, true. (laughs) Yes. Another was the two things at the very top of my things I never want to do list. That sounds like something you would say. That is at the very top of my things I never want to do list. That is like a straight up Julia quote. (laughs) Yeah, I liked that one. Then what do I look like? The Wizard of Oz. You need a brain. You need a heart. Go ahead. Take mine. Take everything I have. (laughs) Which is also like not the plot of The Wizard of Oz. (laughs) Like The Wizard of Oz is taking people's brains. Like it doesn't even make sense. He's not sacrificing his own brain to give it to the scarecrow. (laughs) And then the chapter where Jacob witnessed the birth is there are no words for this. And then like we get like a very long chapter about like Bella's spine cracking in half and like the blood going everywhere. It's like, I wish there was no words for this. That was like the worst. It's like the worst birth scene I've ever read. It was so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they tickled me to death as well. So I'm glad that you like them. Did you have other moments you genuinely enjoyed? Yeah, the big one is like, I love this idea of like raising a baby entirely together. Edward and Bella like get to go sleep every night or I guess they don't have to sleep. They get to go have sex all night. But like in theory, if this was replicated into the human world, like I love the idea of intergenerational living, but like on a big enough plot of land that you can like go to your own house. Like this is this was the fantasy, right? Like eight adults, one baby. That seems like the right ratio to me for a baby. I genuinely enjoyed that. Yeah, it was nice there for a few chapters where, like, everything was good. The baby was there. Bella was a vampire. She was loving life. The baby seems to be doing well. Yeah, there were, like, a few blissful child-rearing chapters in there. Yeah. It turns out that all you need is immortality and a bottomless pit of money. Yeah, 100%. And then you can raise a baby in America. 
The other thing I'll just mention in passing is I really like Seth Clearwater. He's like the nicest character I've ever encountered in this book. He was like, I love vampires. I love werewolves. Let's just get along. <laughs> like, here, Bella, I'm not creepy. You can hold my arm because you're cold and super pregnant. Like, thanks for these sandwiches, Esme. Like, I love life and I love my mom and I love everyone. It was so nice. Seth is great. But even he complains about Leah. Like, why is Leah the most abused character to Seth's credit he is like a teen boy complaining about his older sister like he's the only one who has the right to complain about Leah (laughs) absolutely that is a completely completely fair point I mean we're now going to transition into a non-comprehensive list of questions and concerns and I would say that one of my primary ones is Leah like the way she's talked about in these books And like how isolated and abused she is. Yeah. One of mine was they have a conversation that Leah is a female werewolf because she's infertile potentially. And like she's not able to like contribute to the tribe through babies and therefore like is cursed to live as a werewolf. And it seems like the conversation around that is like women who can't make babies are like worthless as women and are therefore relegated to like a separate sect of non-womanhood that was dark yeah as soon as you can't procreate and make babies we like get ready yeah you like turn into like a weird monster one of my other ones was also kind of similar to leah around like artificial insemination so edward is pissed that bella is dying from the vampire baby eating her from the inside out he goes to jacob and he's like jacob Bro, we all want the same thing in this, Bella to be alive. Can you tell Bella you will get her pregnant and carry her children and we'll just like be a thruple or whatever? So that is a conversation they have to have. And Bella doesn't understand that Jacob is saying that he'll be the father of her children. And she goes off on how bad like sperm donors are, like anonymous sperm donors. And it's it's so horrible. Yeah, It also just could so easily be fixed with some I statements of like, I don't want to do that. Like, just don't generalize about personal feelings. That's totally right. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, let's now move over to Mentor Corner. Let's. So my first piece of advice is like to the Cullen clan. 
Bella is in a lot of pain and they have baseball on in the background. And she says that baseball was not interesting enough to distract her from her pain. First of all, Bella, sick burn about baseball. Second of all, put on something more interesting for her. Like literally put on a cage match. Like you all are indestructible, like build one of those motorcycle domes and like motorcycle upside down and stuff. Like do whatever you have to do to distract her from her pain. You have no problems like murdering animals. Like she's always wanted to watch that. Go hunting in front of her. Like just do what you've got to do. Why do you just have baseball on? Yeah. Put on a rom-com. What's wrong with when Harry met Sally? That always makes me feel better. I'm in full agreement. I hadn't thought about that. I agree with the gut instinct that baseball is boring and people shouldn't watch it in pain or not. But I hadn't thought of any alternatives. And I think those are really good ideas. Thank you. Like breathing fire, like a little circus, Cullen Circus. Yes. Jump through fire. Tightrope walking. Yeah. Trapeze. (laughs) (laughs) And if they want to fly us out in a private jet to entertain Bella, we will gladly accept. We will absolutely do that for a fee. For a low, low price of $40 million. (laughs) Yeah. For a life-changing amount of money, I would absolutely consider doing that. Um, What about you, Julia? What advice do you have? So my first piece of advice is to Bella and Edward, and it's don't talk about your family's sex life while... (laughs) Edward is inside of you. Edward and Bella are sitting in bed. We as the reader don't know what's going on, but that they have this full conversation about each couple in the family and how long it took for them to overcome their like sexual vampiric urges towards each other. We find out Rosalie and Emmett have broken houses from their vigorous sex, whatever. Okay. It says, we laughed together and the motion of our laughter did interesting things to the ways our bodies were connected, effectively ending that conversation. You guys were connected that whole time? (laughs) Get out while you're talking about your parents' sex life. It's so weird. (laughs) I love how transferable this piece of advice is to all of our lives. No one should be doing this. I'm 100% serious. I think this could really change people's perspectives. Uh, Best piece of advice we've given on this (laughs) podcast. Okay. What about you? What's your second piece of advice? So my next piece of advice is for Aro. Aro like sees all of these vampires he hasn't seen in a while. And he like really lays in, especially on one, like I haven't seen you in many decades. Why don't you come visit me? Oh, I know you'll come visit me soon. (laughs) And I would just like to say that this is like standard grandpa move. People are going to want to visit you more if when you visit, you don't guilt them about not visiting more often. If you want people to visit you, be happy to see them, bring them gifts, bribe them. I don't know, just like do other things grandparents do. There are other strategies. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We know Aro is really old, but I feel like that was one of the first glimpses we get of like vampires acting old. Right. It's like he's finally old enough where it's like he's acting like a grandpa. Carlisle's like still in dad mode, but like Aro is full grandpa. <laughs> yeah. Like that may be your feeling that like they should visit you more often, but that's a conversation for your therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the person who he's guilt tripping literally sprints away in fear. He's like, can I, <laughs> can I go now? And like runs away and definitely will not visit. Okay. So Julia... The last piece of advice in Twilight and Quarantine. Dun, dun, dun. 
I'm bringing up something that we didn't talk about. And so I'm really glad I'm bringing it up now. Edward bites the baby out of Bella's stomach. He chews it out. Okay, folks. My advice is to do literally anything else to get the baby out of the (laughs) stomach. So the reason that he uses his teeth is because the placenta protecting the baby is hard like vampire skin. So I did just like some cursory research as to things that can like cut through diamonds and therefore I assume will work for the placenta. It seems like a circular saw that's encoded in diamond dust would work or alternately a laser. We hear that they have like an x-ray room in their house. So like I'm sure getting a laser isn't like past their budgetary constraints. We also throughout this book find out there's literally millions of dollars stashed around the house, which I thought you would appreciate, Vanessa. (laughs) Yes, I do love that. Right. Bella creates a go bag for Renesme. I was super into it. So use some of the millions of dollars you have lying in cash, get a laser and laser out the baby. Oh my God, again, advice that works in everybody's life. Even if it was completely like sanitary, I still wouldn't recommend it. The lack of precision. Yeah. Right. With a laser, I feel like you can draw a perfect circle. Like, how do you bite your way around? Like, does his jaw unhinge? <laughs> He's like a boa constrictor and just puts it over the whole, the whole pregnancy belly. <laughs> right. Like, how? How does that work? And The birth scene was just so, so gross in general, and it's amazing that we read it and that y'all don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) Nobel Peace Prizes for me and Julia for reading this. (laughs) Reading that birth scene, it was really grim. Okay, so Julia, this is our last episode for a while. We're going to do some Patreon bonus episodes, but we're only coming back and hot and bothered in June to do our Jane Eyre podcast where we're going to be doing a close reading of Jane Eyre. So Julia, to wrap us up, you and I are each going to name our top three moments across all four Twilight books. So we're going to go back and forth. Ready? Go. Number one, Twilight, book one, Edward force feeding Bella mushroom ravioli and her drinking like seven (laughs) Coca-Cola while he wears a white cashmere turtleneck and a beige leather coat. A classic moment. I know. What about you? What's your first greatest hit? I also have one from book one, and it is when Tyler shows up to take Bella to the prom. I know it makes me a bitch that I think it's so funny, but it's <laughs> so funny. I'd forgotten about that. It's so embarrassing. It it's just like, it's just the most ridiculous thing, and I love it so much. Whew. Okay, number two, Julia, go. Number two, from book two, when Edward breaks up with Bella in the woods, she can still see her house, but instead of going back to the house, she walks into the middle of the woods and falls asleep under a tree. Yeah, it is just fantastic that she can see her house and gets lost. (laughs) It's amazing. I think that it really expresses how much grief she's feeling, Mm -hmm. that she like literally can't walk in Mm -hmm. a straight line. She's drunk with grief. Yeah. Yeah. And she hates the woods so much. She's just so overcome by emotion. She like danced to sleep on a fern. That's that's how bleak it is. (laughs) Okay. My number two is also from book two. And it is the scene in the movie theater where both boys are next to Bella with their hands up waiting for her to hold one of their hands. And again, I'm realizing that how much this makes me a bitch because I like the scenes where men are just like in pain. But it's so funny. Yeah, that really stuck with me as an image throughout the rest of the series. 
Okay, Julia, drum roll. Your final favorite moment. Da, 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 da. I'm skipping over Eclipse and <laughs> going into Breaking Dawn when Renesme and Jacob are going to run off together to save themselves from the Volturi. Edward goes, goodbye, Jacob, my brother, my son. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? That really summed up this whole book for me. It's like, what <laughs> in God's name? So I, too, couldn't find one from Eclipse. So I just stayed in New Moon. And mine is like a really genuine one. It was like the most One Tree Forks moment of them all. It was Angela and Bella addressing envelopes. It's just friendship. Wow. <laughs> it's like there's nothing nefarious. Like people are being annoying in regular ways. And Angela and Bella are like adoring each other. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. That was really nice. Okay, Julia, our last care package for Bella. What are you putting in there? I'm getting her a one-way ticket back to Isle Esme. I feel like the first trip was really a bust, and I think they need to do a redo. <laughs> a bust insofar as she gets, like, horribly sick by becoming pregnant with a vampire baby? Yeah, after their literal first time. I don't think that we made it clear. It's like, you have sex, you get pregnant, and you die. Like, that's literally the first 500 pages of this book. Um. Well, I'm going to get her a toddler backpack of her own, but, like, to wear on her back to carry Renesmee. Renesmee is going to get, like, bigger and bigger and heavy pretty soon. She's getting carried all the time. At one point in the book, we find out that she's never been put down. And so I just think that there's, like, this symbolic part of Bella now wearing the toddler backpack wow. for her actual toddler. Full circle. I think you and I were having some premonitions when you said that. You were like, a toddler backpack? There's probably going to be a baby one day. going to need it. <laughs> oh, my God. Alice, this is what it looks like when you can see the future. 100%. So what do you think is going to happen with the crew? What's happening after they, whatever, live? So they're immortal, but climate change is real. So they will be left on like a barren post-apocalypse Earth. And they're going to have to resort to eating cockroaches. But then I guess they will have to like start the new race. So it's like a pro-eugenics, like the most beautiful immortals will start the new race. But I think like they're going to have to survive an environmental apocalypse, which is pretty bleak. Bella and Edward eating cockroaches for eternity. <laughs> that is the happily ever after that we need. So patrons, we will be doing movie episodes and many other things on there. So we will keep talking to you. There will be a Jane Eyre podcast in your ears starting the first week of June, which we're so excited about. So we're going to go off and work on that. And we'll be back then. But Julia, this is your last episode in the feed. You're not joining for Jane Eyre because you're a Weathering Heights person. Any last words? Last words before I'm killed. for no longer <laughs> participating in Twilight Court. Yeah. <laughs> um, this has been really a wild ride for a year of my life thinking so much about Twilight and I am happy I did it and I am even happier <laughs> I would just like to remind you that this was literally your idea okay when I had this idea I did not realize anyone would take me seriously <laughs> so it was like I have a lot of ideas that like don't turn into anything 
So this has been the last episode of Twilight and Quarantine from Hot and Bothered. This episode and all episodes are produced by Ariana Nettleman, and this episode was edited by Malika Gumpankum. This show was conceived of as a vampire baby by Julia Argi, and I'm Vanessa Zoltan, and apparently I don't know when Julia's just kidding. We are a production of Not Sorry Productions and are distributed by Acast. I'm super grateful that you went on this journey with us, and I'm really, really excited to talk about Jane Eyre with you all in a couple of months. It is my all-time favorite romance novel, so we will be back then. Take care. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.